I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and this afternoon I'm delighted to be joined by Patrick McGilp to talk all things Celtic. Patrick, uh, last time we spoke, we were both very bitterly disappointed. Um, we had just witnessed a 6 0 humping at the hands of Atletico Madrid, and all the questions were flying around are, uh, you know, about Celtic and being ill prepared for a Champions League, and, you know, where we're in a position even to. to get to a point where we could uh, you know, avoid these kind of humblings, Patrick. And it's, it's interesting how much difference a week makes. We've got a wee bit more of a spring of it in our step after the weekend. What does it do for you, Patrick, after the disappointment of last Tuesday? Yeah, it, it's uh, you know time is a great healer, and you can sort of look at it in the cold light of day, and you're, you've got the emotions sort of stripped back, and you can look at it and say to yourself, "Well, I think Rogers probably is correct. I think if you don't get the man sent off, I don't think you lose six nothing. I think you, you're, I think you're definitely still going to get beat. You know, the, the quality of opposition, Celtic away from home in Europe. I think you're definitely there's very little chance of getting a result from that game. But um, I think. You know the ludicrous VAR decision to send Maeda off totally spoils the game, and you go from losing maybe two or three nothing to six or seven, and um, yeah. it, it really was a depressing night. But then to have our own six nothing humping on uh, Sunday was um, certainly cheered us all up somewhat, and to get so many different people in the score sheet, um, you know Yang getting his first goal, Turnbull scoring, you know as much as he might not be good enough for the starting eleven, as much as he might be quite slow. I'm a big Turnbull fan. I always have been, and the amount of goals he gets coming off the bench, playing the odd uh, sort of SPFL game, you can't underestimate how important that is. You know, we lost the league famously by a single goal in 2003, so goal difference certainly counts. Um, so to back up these goals is very important. Oh, um, I think he's hitting a bit of form. Um, you know, he played really, really well at Ross County. Got an important goal against St Mum. Got two in the, the the last few minutes at the weekend there. And um, I, it sort of gives you a spring in your step during the international break, a bit of positivity. And um, we've got a quite good run now, right into the new year before the, the winter break. So um, hopefully we can have a bit more positivity until between now and uh, New Year's Day. Yes, definitely. I think this is our third international break of the season. Am I right in saying that? Third international break. I think so, yeah. You know, and people often say to me on the socials, what are you going to speak about for the next week or two? Well, there's always <laughs> loads to talk about when it comes to Celtic. We are going to be looking at where we are at this stage of the season. And of course, Brendan Rodgers' second tenure at Celtic Park. Um, how is that transfer window looking now at this stage of the season as well? And as the headline would suggest, why the narrative on futures of O'Reilly and Rodgers is predictably skewed. 
Let's start off with that one, shall we? Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the squad and who's performing well, Patrick, it's the same old, same old here, right? And you know back in the day where a story would run and there was almost no right to reply. You know, people, it was propaganda, basically. You know, there was so uh, limited kind of uh, platforms and vehicles for, for work to get out there that when something appeared in the tabloid press or on mainstream broadcastable TV, it was believed. It was gospel, Patrick. But now we're in an age where, you know, media is... Um, for me, much better in that you can do your own research, you can make up your own mind on the narrative that's being pushed. And, of course, um, you have freelance uh, journalists, you've got fan and alternative media who are willing to give you a different take on what is being put out there as gospel. And in the last couple of weeks, actually, I mean, I know it's been there for for decades and, and probably since the beginning of time, but in the last couple of weeks, it's been ramped up. Patrick, you know, and uh, I remember going through a period where just about every single day I seen a story about some, you know, world-renowned footballer who somehow a mainstream uh, platform in Scotland had got an interview with and the narrative, their, their agenda, their angle was did you nearly sign for Rangers? And there was like all these stories for weeks on end, right, when Rangers were absolute garbage, about, oh, I nearly signed for... Roberto Baggio nearly signed for Rangers. That was almost that ridiculous and that predictable. And by the way, we're not getting any better, Patrick. Some of the, the narrative that I'm I'm looking at... Matt O'Reilly's talking about taking a step and, and you know, another step in his career uh, onto the international stage. And somehow, by the time that makes it, I say, into print, but onto the blogs, he wants to leave Celtic. One of the uh, longest-serving um, broadcasters uh, who has commented on Scottish football for decades, Hugh Keevans, uh, doesn't think Brendan Rodgers should be the manager of Celtic next season. It's it's an abomination, isn't it? The whole setup, and I know that often fan media, you know, is looked at with suspicion and cynicism, Patrick. But I'll tell you something: there's honesty. Yeah, there's loads of emotion, but there's honesty in it, and you can see right through these narratives, can't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think you've seen that emotion, certainly on Axon, during the, the 10 in a row, uh, yeah. or the, the not-to-be 10 in a row season. You know, we had plenty of arguments on here. And we still do disagree with each other, and it can get heated at times after uh, disappointing results. But it is, it is just all our own opinions. We're all just Celtic fans talking about the game, giving our views, having a discussion. And, you know, people obviously appreciate that. You know, there's uh, different fan media for Celtic, different fan media for all these different clubs, and it's thriving because people are so sick of these, you know, clickbait narratives of O'Reilly saying one thing and a bunch of blogs totally taking it out of proportion and saying a completely different thing. Um, you know, I think, you know the favourites are, you know, Messi almost signed for Rangers on loan in 2007 and Morelos had uh, three bids from every club in the world before yeah. they eventually left for absolutely nothing. Um, you know, there, there are so many examples of just completely ridiculous. And to be fair, I don't think they're, they're siding with one club or another. I think it's just to get the clicks in. And, you know, I think as as recent news has shown, I think people are falling for it less and less. And it shows, you know, the growth of fan media shows that because people are sick of this this nonsense. You click on these websites, you get thousands of ads pop up in your face and you, you don't really read anything of value. And um, I like to think that, you know, we definitely provide something of value here. You know, Celtic fans talk about Celtic, having a discussion, getting people involved. Uh, and I think it's been a, a brilliant positive to have, you know, and it's only really the last 10 years that stuff like this has came mm. to the fore. And it is good, you know, you you, uh, you can challenge the club, you can challenge the narrative, um, you can get your voice out there. And um, it's testament to, you know, what you've built. And uh, it's a great alternative to have, especially, you know, Keevans especially. Uh, Hugh Keevans is a He's a fun, he's a funny figure to have. You know, you can get a laugh. You know, every single one of his predictions has turned out to be the total opposite of what ended up happening. Um, I don't take any of his criticism that seriously anymore. You know, Brendan isn't going to walk out because we lost six nothing in Madrid. Uh, we've been absolutely on fire in the league the last couple of last couple of weeks and months. You know, Hearts away, uh, Ross County away, Aberdeen at the weekend. Well, hitting. Uh, I think what Brendan called prime Celtic or mm. peak Celtic, and uh, 
playing really well, scoring lots of goals. And, you know, I think Rod just came back because he likes to be here. He likes Celtic, he likes uh, Scotland and Glasgow. And I can't see him walking out anytime soon. No, absolutely not. And, you know, over the over the years, we have had so many characters in the Scottish media, uh, you know, commenting on Scottish football, uh, that yesterday we spoke about back in the day when Only an Excuse was a, a really good product and it was really funny. And the, the guy behind it, um, one of the main writers, the main writer was Phil Differ. He was, he's an absolute genius um, comic. And it's it's a shame, actually, because, you know, growing up, and I've spoken to JP Mason about this a, a hell of a lot, a massive part of your memory of watching Scottish football is those voices, those characters and personalities. As much as you might not have liked them, but, you know, they were part of watching football on the telly. Um, fan media, for me, Patrick, it's strange when you say about a decade, because then I'm going to say, as long as that, and then I realise that Axwom's been around for almost seven years now. And, yeah, there are... For me, there's different fractions. You've got fan media because, like you say, people are just so passionate about Celtic. Um, a Celtic state of mind uh, preceded the the live stream. We we used to just record initially at the kitchen table uh, a podcast every single week that you could listen to with your earphones on. And then we decided to go up to a recording studio to try and get the, the sound and the quality better. And then during the, the pandemic, when everybody was stuck in the house, we decided, you know what? let's communicate this way. It still looks a wee bit like a dial-in that you would get at your work um, where you have to speak to your boss uh, and all this kind of stuff. And that's going to change. That is in the works. We are changing that as we speak. The whole look of the live stream is going to look different very soon. Um, But there's a few other wee plates spinning at the moment. And one thing I was going to mention is the Mark O'Neill gig. Now, when we go uh, live, like really live, rather than live on a broadcast, Patrick, um, there's a trepidation because you think, well, will anybody want to come and hear us talking to an Excel? And last year, or this year rather, over the last uh, 12 gigs, it's shown that people do enjoy these types of nights. And we've got one coming up with Johan Mialbe at uh, Gracie's next month, tickets underneath the video. But with the Martin O'Neill one, we decided how far can we push this? How big can we take it? Now, by the way, in terms of People thinking it's all about making money. It's not, because obviously you go to a bigger venue, there's massive overheads to, to put it on. So the, the beacon in Greenock was recommended to us by a couple of people, but none more so than Colin Watt, who is has been a member of the Axon team for a long time. And he says, you know what, Greenock could be doing with a big night, uh, a big Axon night. And I'm like, how big can we take this? Because you imagine, Patrick, when you launch something and then you're watching the tickets because you've got a wee app and you're watching the ticket and you think, will they actually sell? Well, 25 tickets left. It's a 504 capacity venue. 25 tickets left. The chances are that will sell out by the end of today. Unbelievable. But what we're going to do is, as I said before, we're going to improve the broadcast so it doesn't quite look like two squares on, on a screen. It's going to be looking far more like we're in a studio and we're dialing in people remotely, because not only do we have guys like you, Patrick, we've got people based in Hungary, Australia, Japan, and New Zealand, and Swindon, and uh, Ireland. We've got people based all over the place, such as the diversity of the Celtic fan base. So that's going to improve. And the night out with Martin in January, on on the 26th of January, is going to be bigger and better as well. Big screen entertainment, uh, live music entertainment, um, and a few other wee bits thrown into the mix. So I cannot wait for that. Thank you, everybody for your support as well. We're going to be talking about narratives over Matt O'Reilly, Brendan Rodgers. We're going to be having a look at that transfer window and just how successful or otherwise it's been and how different it's going to have to be in January. So let's start with that transfer window then. Um, We've spoken about it before, Patrick, excuse me. However, um, I think it's looking a little bit better now that some of the kind of fringe players have started getting some game time. So, um, I'm not going to include Awata in this because Awata was at the club and it was very much a Maeda. You know, you don't really um, look at Maeda as a, se- a, a player that came in last season, do you? Because obviously he came in and it was a, a, a you know an obligation to buy the player after a short loan deal. Awata was the same. But I want to start off with uh, Odin Thiago Holm, who came in from Valarenga, which is uh, a team once managed by Ronnie Dyla, who worked with home, gave home his debut, bizarrely enough, and he came in as a 20-year-old Norwegian at two and a half million quid. He hasn't started many games 
Patrick, but he is for me the epitome of uh, a prospect signing done well. He's a guy, you know, with his age that you're not looking for instant results from, but from what we have seen, I think he's been very, very promising. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Um, you know, as soon as I seen him, um, I want to say he came on against Bobao. Uh, it was certainly very, very early on, just before the season kicked off, uh, and I thought he looked really good. Um, you know, as you say, I think he was only maybe 19 or 20 when he signed, he's 20 now. Um, and I was shocked to read that that was his first league start at the weekend. I couldn't believe that because I thought I'd seen loads of home. And obviously, that's just him coming on in games. Just, you know, almost every game he must have came on because I, I feel as if we've seen quite a lot of him already. And, you know, he's a, I'm sort of tempted to call him a sort of better version of Beaton. He looks a bit more mobile. He's a, a great pass with the ball. He can uh, slow the game down. He's very calm. Good first touch. Um, and, you know, you're absolutely spot on. Two and a half million. One for the future, but already doing well. I think he's a he's a perfect sort of prospect signing. Um, you know, slotted right into the team. And, uh, yeah, no real complaints when it comes to that particular summer signing. No, I, I would agree with that. And, you know what, I've made the bold kind of prediction that he's a long-term replacement for Callum McGregor because sometimes... I'm not sure we're great at doing that. You know, that uh, the planning, succession planning, Patrick, uh, was one of the, the biggest kind of criticisms around Scott Brown being at the helm for so long. And, you know, did he maybe um, stay a season longer than he should have done in terms of the quality of the performances that he was providing? But it's hard when you've got a captain in place um, to, to drop the captain. So, uh, you know, and by the way, I'm not suggesting for a moment that, that Callum's quite there. I think we've got a good few seasons yet to enjoy Callum McGregor um, as Celtic captain. But I think home is definitely one of the prospect signings that very few Celtic fans will have an issue with. You know, the, the word projects, um, when, when talking about signings, has almost become a bad word, uh, Patrick. But, you know, there's there's absolute merit in it. I'll tell you a project signing right now. Liam Scales was a project signing. He, he was, you know. He came in um, under Ange Postecoglou in the first season. So what age would he have been? 22, 23 at that time. You're bringing him in from Shamrock Rovers. And I remember I was criticised at the time because... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, I wasn't looking down at that league, but I was asking the question, can he make the step up to Scottish football? And quite a lot of our Irish fans who know a lot more about Irish football than I do um, basically said, listen, Paul, you're underestimating the game. The step-up's not going to be that difficult for Liam. But, you know, I think, and I take that, absolutely take that on the chin, but I think coming to a club like Celtic's a step-up in itself, Patrick, and then you've got the big games against, obviously, Rangers. You've got the big European games, and that that surely is a step-up. Um, but he he's, for me, a great example of a, a project signing. You know, 500 grand, you're bringing him in from the Irish League, Shamrock Rovers, and it's taken probably two years for us to see the real quality in the player. That's a project signing for me. So I'm not tearing up and saying don't sign project signings. I just think that, you know, it looked as though it was wholesale project buys, you know, when, when we look at that transfer window that's just passed. Would you agree with that on, on Liam Scales? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, when, when he first came in, I think, you know, I'd have totally agreed with yourself, you know, not one for the first team kind of make the step up and maybe it is a bit naive because you know when you think about it are Livingston and our Walsh County really that much better than you know teams in the League of Ireland probably not probably about the same level um, so when you're playing for Celtic against these teams I suppose the step up isn't that 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 much tougher I suppose what we are always looking for is you know your Champions League and Europa League quality players and I think that's probably where that sentiment comes from of can he make the step up 
And I'm happy to admit, I didn't think Liam Scales was anywhere near good enough for Celtic. I remember a game, uh, Wraith Rovers in the Cup, I think we won 4 nothing in the Scottish Cup. Yeah. And he actually yeah. scored. I think he scored the opening goal, but he played left-back and he was shocking that day. I thought, this guy cannot be getting another game for Celtic. And to be fair, I don't think we've played him at left-back since, but at left-centre-back, he's done exceptional this season. You know, I think he was thrown in, um, I think maybe Aberdeen away, he came on for Carter Vickers. I, I could be wrong, um, but you know he's been absolutely exceptional. You know he played fine other way, done really well, and he's sort of never really looked back. And that's one where you know we spent money at the time, we didn't get an immediate return, but you know in an injury crisis two seasons later, he's a, he's available and he's done really really well. And you know you're, we're probably not buying home to play against Lazio Feyenoord and Athletic Madrid. We're play we're, we're buying them to play the. 2025-26 Champions League season fingers crossed we're there um, because he has one for the future and I think you're, you're spot on with your Callum McGregor prediction you know I, I don't think anyone would have foreseen in 2014 when he was a tricky uh, tricky winger attacking midfielder scoring against uh, Ligia Warsaw that Callum McGregor would have replaced Scott Brown in that sort of holding role uh, six, seven years later but he has but I think home is a, a certainly a more natural replacement for Callum McGregor, he fits the mould quite well. He comes on from quite a lot. They, they play a similar game. And uh, yeah, two two signings for the future, one of which has came good two years on and the other one certainly shown promise just now and I think will be a, a great player for Celtic for years to come. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned about uh, Callum McGregor because I, I've got the same uh, memory of McGregor as a young player coming in. I say young, 21, making his debut under Ronnie Dyla. And... Um, I don't know what the archive like on old Celtic TV, but uh, it would be interesting if you could go back and watch all the games that were obviously streamed live at the time uh, on Celtic TV, all the early performances by Callum McGregor, because he was a different style of player, Patrick, absolutely no doubt about it. And then various managers have come in and made an influence or had an influence rather on him. Um, only Callum McGregor can say who's had the biggest influence, but you know, from the outside looking in, you, you've seen big changes in him under Brennan Rodgers, first time round. Um, and I think when it came to Ange Postecoglou, there's a massive there's a massive change in that he makes him the captain. Um, so then, you know, that adds another strength to his bow. And now we've got the veteran. We've got the veteran Callum McGregor, who, if you compare it to that young boy that came in, completely different player. You know, he, he loved a shimmy and he loved all that. And by the way, he, he loved a European goal. Remember, he scored quite a few European goals in the first couple of campaigns. Um, but yes, we now have a seasoned captain, a, a skipper, a proper uh, capo in Callum McGregor. Uh, Jungle Lion, always quick off the mark. Same old, same old. That's why Celtic supporters are better off listening to Celtic programmes like this. I always remember, um, as I've said many, many times on this this podcast, that my first game is 1987, Patrick. And quite soon after my first game, there was a, a, a fanzine launch called Not The View. And at that time, as a young guy, I wanted to buy the Celtic View and read about Paul McStay and Frank McAvenny and whatever. But then this fanzine thing popped up and I remember seeing it getting sold at the games and I didn't really know what it was. Uh, and then eventually I was at school and I went to, uh, for some of my primary school, over in Midlothian, Sacred Heart uh, Primary School. And there was a, a fellow Celtic fan in that class called Kevin Causer. Uh, haven't seen him since probably 1990, but he brought in a copy of the Not The View, which was a photocopied effort. And, uh, you know, he was way ahead of the curve, this lad, right? And he's like, you need to read this. And I remember he gave me it, right? And I went away home and I was reading it as a young boy at that time. I mean, 87, 88 time. And I'm reading it and getting right into it because they were so, for me, they were so ahead of the game. They weren't believing Pravda, as it was called back then. They weren't believing the, the the bones that were getting thrown at them by the club. And they certainly weren't believing the Scottish media. So I guess probably quite early in my Celtic supporting career, I was lucky in that I got introduced to fan media as it was back then. And it was the old fanzines photocopied and all the rest of it. And I think it's delightful that not the view and a few of the other guys, alternative view, more than 90 minutes. They still produce a magazine format, a hard copy fanzine, Patrick. I think Celtic have been at the forefront. I think the Celtic fans have been at the forefront of fan media since way back then. 
I think so. Yeah, I would totally agree. You know, we've got a rich history of fan media. Uh, obviously, the, the Celtic view is the longest running um, club uh, fanzine uh, magazine in, in football history. Um, but you know, as you say, since the the late nineties, the the late eighties at least, you know, we've had this this rich culture of fan media, and it was necessary to save the club. You know, in the early nineties in nineteen ninety four, without it, you know, would we have got Fergus? Would we have got the fans um, to get the board out, the old board, um, you know, I suppose we'll never know the answer the answer to that question, but I, I think they were absolutely vital in saving the club, and I think they're, they're vital now, you know, Axholm and all the other uh, Celtic fan media channels to holding the club to account. When we do go and lose 6 nothing in a European game, question whether it's good enough or not. You know, the, the lockdown season, the COVID season, is that good enough questioning the manager, questioning the board, the players, the transfer strategy? I think it's important to hold the club to account, but also to celebrate when we do win treble after treble, when we do have big European nights, when we've got these players like Kyogo and Palmer. Um, I think it's absolutely brilliant that you can have, you know, just ordinary people uh, just coming together, having a great conversation about Celtic and just sort of celebrating what the club's all about. It is absolutely pivotal, um, by the way. And... <laughs> It's bringing to mind a wee comment that I shared with the Axom team yesterday that we got after the live uh, YouTube video. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Mr. John McGlinchey, 8628, uh, who stated the following, because we were quite critical, obviously, of the uh, of various things at the club. I mean, we've been pretty critical over the handling of the Green Brigade, for example. Right, OK, that's going to divide opinion. Of course it is, but it's all about opinion. Anyway, John goes on to say, Patrick, Axom is a political movement hiding under the blanket of Celtic. We have a magnificent board and I back 100... <laughs> Sorry. And I back 100% against the Green Brigade. Good riddance to that nonsense that is the Green Brigade. That is not my quote, I must stress. That is the quote of John McGlinchey, who commented. Thank you for your comment, John. But it's interesting, Patrick, that when you question the board, you still have a hardcore, or if you question the manager, as we did in that fateful season, you still have a hardcore of fans that are like, how dare you? How dare you do that? You're not a real Celtic fan if you criticise the club. I think it's the other way about. I think, you know, the very fact that you're you're trying your best to look at what can we do better, that's all it is, Patrick. That's all it is. You want the best for Celtic, and you question some of these decisions that are made. There was a few others, actually, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're burner accounts after what I said about the board yesterday, right? But there you go, John McClinchy. Do you agree with John? Let us know in the comment section. Uh, Magnet67. Afternoon, Axon team. And by the way, that it proves that I do read all the comments after the event as well. Um, good afternoon from Rainey Bajra. The press are always trying to unsettle us by punting our players, all part of their blue pound loving, right? I know for a fact, right, that um, if I got somebody who was very good at writing clickbait headlines, Patrick, we would have even more people tuning into the show and even more people reading the blog. But we're never going to do it. We're just not going to do that, right? Within your headline, yeah, you've got to give a, a, a sense of what you're going to discuss. But bearing in mind, I've written taglines and then because the conversation has gone in diversions all the way through the 60 minutes, we've barely touched on the subject. It's not deliberate. We've obviously written it before the event. Um, but, yeah, there, there is that kind of narrative. And, uh, you know, it brings into uh, focus the Matt O'Reilly uh, story, that story, and I use that in inverted commas, that ran the other day there, Patrick. And let's talk about him because there's loads of comment, comments coming in about uh, Matt O'Reilly. And, again, arguably, a project player when we sign them. Definitely. You know, um, you, you think back to that time and... You know, we, we'd lost so many players, you know, players who were guaranteed a move and, um, you know, we sort of had to sell guys like Ivan Edward to get the money in. And, you know, they sort of just run their course anyway. We'd had a disappointing season. You could see they were unhappy. You know, I'm no body language expert, but you could see that these players had had, had their time at Celtic and we had to cash in. And luckily we did that. And, you know, Ange was faced with, you know, building a whole new team. And we, we got players from all over the place, you know, from, from Russia, from Japan, from England, you know, all over the continent, Ivanovic uh, came from Poland. And, you know, O'Reilly, he was a young guy. He was obviously famously second choice to Riley McGree. And we thought, God, we're getting a second choice 20-year-old or 19-year-old or 20-year-old uh, English midfielder. And he's having to come in and he's having to play at Tynecastle. 
you know, this guy's really been thrown in at the deep end. And he excelled and he's never really looked back. You know, he, he might might have had a, a quiet spell towards, you know, the middle part of last season where he, he was mm-hmm. struggling to score goals. But by and large, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, definitely player of the year for me this season, without a doubt. Um, I think it's, you know, if we're, if we're going to make a big money sale this summer, you know, it, it probably would be him if you're picking a player. But every time he does an interview, he's constantly going on about how much he loves Celtic, how he genuinely can find the words to say how much he loves Celtic. Um, he, he's commented, I think, on Celtic TV, how many Celtic fans his dad has befriended. You know, his dad's pals with half a Glasgow, I'm pretty sure, and goes to all the games. Um, so he's certainly loving life. He's went from being, um, you know, he was playing regularly, to be fair, at MK Dons. That's why he went there. He's came to Celtic and he's playing regularly for Celtic. He's starring for Celtic, playing in the Champions League. And, you know, he's he's now made the step up to the, the Danish national team, who, you know, it's 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 no small feat. Um, got to the semi-finals of the Euros, Um you know, good good side. It's obviously been a tough journey for him to get uh, getting there. You know, just look at Kyogo. It took him a few years to get into the Japan side. He's there now. He's constantly yeah. getting picked for Japan, and it shows you, you know, what can happen to a player when they come to Celtic, or you know, what a journey Celtic have been on the last two years with these players. And I think as soon as anything good happens, you know, there's a surefire sign that Celtic are doing well when um, the mainstream press are trying to sell our players for us. And I suppose come summertime, it does us a favour because we get a higher fee. But during the season, when, you know, whether they're trying to stir the pot, get clicks, you know, try and disrupt our, our rhythm, um, they're constantly keen to flog our players um, when they really don't need flogging because they're phenomenal. And if they were to leave, they could go to another league, another club. Um, but O'Reilly, he's settled here, he likes Glasgow by all accounts, loves Celtic, loves playing for Celtic. He's made comments about how much he loves playing for Brendan Rodgers just recently. Um, yeah. He's got a freer role, he's scored more goals. Um, so I don't think I don't think there's any truth in the matter that he's you know, angling for a move. He's, he's probably enjoying his time with Denmark just now, enjoying his time with Celtic when he comes back and looking forward to winning more trophies. So I don't think we can read too much into that particular story. No, and the thing is, again, we're realistic. Patrick, we know that you just need to look down the line of players that have come to this club and been sold the platform. And by the way, loads of them, the thing is, there's no guarantee, loads of them have failed. Loads of these signings have failed. I've, you know, so many times people come to this football club and tell us that they actually say they're going to use it as a platform. And I think that uh, Mo Bangura, who was mentioned yesterday uh, during our discussion, was one of them. Um, and I believe Quan. I'd need to double check that. I believe Quan was talking about playing in the Bundesliga in one of his first interviews. Anyway, we know <laughs> we know that players come to Celtic because you know they they want to progress their career and they see it as a very good way, either as a stepping stone. Um, you know, having played Champions League football to go to one of these big half a dozen leagues, we get it. We absolutely get it. Um, but the thing with, with uh, Matt O'Reilly is the the frustration, I guess, is he wasn't saying he wanted to leave and all this kind of stuff. You know, he's he said the exact opposite. He's enjoying life at Celtic, and as you said, his old fellas um, definitely made friends in Glasgow, and and uh, I hear a lot of people talking about him. In fact. I've got to say there's been three people that I've spoken to in the last few months who have been waxing lyrical about uh, Matt O'Reilly's father in another in Glasgow. And I love to see people with no real connection to the club embracing Celtic, embracing the fan base. Um, I love all that kind of stuff. I'm an apps. I'm glo- I, you know, I, I, I'm wide open to that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we've got a few discussions going on in the comments section. Uh, Fabrizio Romano, of course, said uh, about Matt O'Reilly that uh, he, when he leaves the club, he will be a Scottish record transfer. And we know that the transfer, uh, when it comes down to players bought or sold by a Scottish club, um, has been done twice by Celtic, and it's Kieran Tierney and Jota for 25 million quid. Um, so to put him in that bracket, I'm looking at that thinking, right, it would take an astronomical offer for the club to accept um, the departure of such a talent. But, you know, if Celtic get offered 25 to 30 million quid, um, because of where we are in the food chain, because of the, the, the country in which we reside in player football, we can't say no. That That's always going to be a frustration for me as a Celtic fan, because I hate when we lose quality, and he is definitely that. 
Plunge McNugget, alternative view is the best read. Haven't bought the Celtic view for years and never will. Um, I've got to admit, I used to buy a whole lot. All the fanzines, Celtic view, used to buy it all. Uh, but I thought that the Celtic view got to a point where they were the victim of um, instant news, blogs, websites, social media, video uh, vloggers and all that. And it was only a matter of time, Patrick, before a magazine, a weekly magazine, which was meant to keep you up to date with Celtic, wasn't going to work. And they've obviously reviewed that. And I think it's now a, a quarterly and it's a thick mag with more kind of in-depth content and all that kind of stuff. I thought it should have gone down the kids' route. It should have become a kids' mag because kids, um, as my six-year-old will testament, uh, be testament to, they still love um, absolutely... Uh, skinning you for about a fiver every time you walk into a shop that sells magazines. So, yeah, Celtic, you could have gone down that route with, uh, you know, free hoopy keyrings and all that stuff. Anyway, the alternative view, yes, I agree. Matt McGlone has done a tremendous job. I remember his first fanzine was called Once a Tim, Always a Tim. Um, and uh, our very own Declan, I'm pretty sure, was a regular contributor to the alternative view until he got a gig in the mainstream where he goes around telling us uh, the, the, the pizza errors that we need to go and visit and the best pint in Glasgow. And Declan's having the whale of a time, isn't he, Patrick, since he's <laughs> left Axon? <laughs> he's getting paid to visit all the best pubs in Glasgow, all the best restaurants. Uh, every article, it's uh, historic pubs and best tenants and uh, a new chain's opening up in Bear's Den and he's having to, he's just, he just has to sample it on the uh, company funds and, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe Axon, Axon should start that, going round all maybe the sales pubs. Do you own a pub or a club and you want us to come in and, and check out your restaurant or cafe and we can rate it on Axom? Absolutely, get in touch, uh, offer a free lunch. Studs Lanigan, Alternative View is a good read. Uh, yeah, aye, and obviously, you know, tying it right into the, the fan movements of the early 90s, Matt McGlone was at the forefront uh, of, of that as well. So brilliant to see that that's still running in, you know, hard copy. Uh, more than 90 minutes, Big uh, Millish uh, is a good fan mag, really well put together, uh, fantastic quality as well. Now, the Urban Kill Chase comes in to say, in the early 70s, I won the Celtic View quiz. The princely sum of one guinea made its way to my wee house. I only seen money like that at the Glasgow Fair. Did you ever appear in the Celtic View? Let us know in the comments section because um, I did a couple of times. I've still got the copies as well. Uh, to prove that. And of course, uh, Jungle Lion has got something to say. Um, here we go. First issue of the Celtic View came out on the 11th of August, 1965, the very day I was born. There you go. The secret's out. And who was behind the Celtic View? None other than John McGinn's granddad, Patrick. But let's not talk about Brendan Rodgers and John McGinn. Not at this moment in time. We are having a look back at the transfer window and we're asking the question, was it really as bad as we maybe thought? Odin Home has been discussed. Next up is Yang. And I think that um, at the weekend, what we've seen there from Yang was the full repertoire, Patrick, of what he can offer this team. And Brendan Rodgers was uh, really complimentary in his post-match about the player as well. Um, you know, I've said on here, uh, I'm a big fan of Yang. You know, I thought he, he tremendous skill, uh, really, really quick. And I thought it was just as he got to the 18-yard box, he really struggled. To you know, sort of produce that final pass, get get himself a goal, that last bit of quality, and young player halfway across the world, big move, big club, you know, just signed. It's obviously going to take time, and I think the frustration from us is we always want to hit the ground running, we want to win every game, we're desperate to win a Champions League game because we've not done it in so long, and I think you can sort of you can't see the uh, the forest for the trees or whatever the whatever the saying is. I think I've. Uh, messed that up but delighted that he's got his goal you know I've I've been sort of slightly critical of him the last few weeks because it, it is taking a wee bit of time you know he's not had the most amount of game time he's only had a few starts and he has been lacking that bit of quality uh, in and around the box but delighted that he's finally got a goal um, you know I've seen a lot of people give him the man of the match uh, on Sunday personally I'd give it to Yang, uh, Palmer Yang Palmer um, but you know Yang played really well um, obviously got the open goal uh, hopefully can just sort of kick on now because obviously Maeda's out for a, a period um, Abada's out until January um, Forrest as much as he can come on and get a goal I don't think he's the type of player that needs starting for Celtic I don't think he's got the pace that he once had great for popping up with a goal you know getting that third and fourth goal a bit like Turnbull you know you need the, the goals to build the goal difference but I think as a starter you're looking at guys like Yang and 
I'm glad that he's got his first goal because I'm hoping he can really kick on now. And him and Palmer, it looks like it'll be those two running into the new year eh, before the winter break. So bags of pace, bags of skill, are both scoring goals now. So another good signing. And I suppose when you're looking at the transfer window, you can only really look at it short, medium and long term. And we've said about home, you know, he's he certainly get pass marks for short, medium term. He's certainly one for the long term. Um, but I think, you know, short term, we're all a bit frustrated because we weren't getting those wins in Europe. We were put out the League Cup. We were sort of stuck in a bit. We weren't playing the best football in the world in the league. So I think short term, we're all quite frustrated because it's the nature of our transfer business. We buy, you know, young players for the future mm. for a year or two, sell them on. And, you know, to come in and hit the ground running as a young person, it's, it's very difficult. But now, after a few months in the medium term, as we begin to back up the points in the league, uh, you can see that we've signed, you know, certainly promising players, if not real quality, in Yang, Holm, Palmer, and uh, hopefully we can kick on now for the rest of the season. Yeah, and also hopefully <clears throat> uh, some of the others, you know, we've not seen the aforementioned Kwanar Tilio, uh, Novroski and Lagerbilt came in and have gone <laughs> and fallen off the, the the side of the earth, if you're a flat earther, uh, fallen off the radar, <laughs> let's just keep it like that, that's a different discussion altogether. Um, yeah, loads of great comments coming in, a bit of nostalgia this week, obviously, it's International Week, so if we're going to digress and talk about fanzines and all that, now's the time. Um, the urban culture is Lager Top still a thing? Well, Lager Bjelk um, definitely still is, but we don't know where he is, the urban culture. We're going to be asking that question in just a few moments. Uh, Paul McLean, when Saturday comes, was the best fanzine outside of Not The View? It was brilliant, that, that mag. So much so that it ended up in the, the mainstream, you know, menses and, and uh, newsagents and all that kind of stuff. And they used to run a table of top selling fanzines in Britain. And they used to do that at the back of the mag and not the view was up in the top five regularly, really punching above its weight back in the day. Uh, Uncle Nobby Steamboat Axrom should bring out a weekly mag. What type of mag? Let us know. Um, and also the Urban Culture, Brady Forfer was a great contributor to not the view. There were some brilliant contributors. I even contributed back in the day, believe it or not. If you read all the small print, you'll find my contributions. Uh, for those who thought, thought I started supporting Celtic just to get a podcast off the ground, no, not the view. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, I'm in there. Uh, Stevie Boy, only football tabloid I liked or bought. Panini sticker album, part of your youth. Um, and again, I mentioned this yesterday about kids and my, bo my boy's generation and are they going to get into Scottish football and all this kind of stuff? And a big part of that was, you know, Panini stickers and all that, you know, and it's now like with cards and everything else, Patrick, it's all geared towards the superstar blockbuster. I call it WWF football, which is the English game. And, you know, everybody knows about Barcelona, Real Madrid and English teams. And we need to try and get away from that. Um, and we've also got Thomas Ross, who had a couple of Celtic poems published in the view. There you go. Who else was in the Celtic view? Let us know in the comment section. Um, I used to love it. I used to love the view uh, because obviously it kept you abreast of uh, current affairs and obviously loads of the letters that were written in were fake. The board wrote the letters that print, were printed in the Celtic view and uh, they went by names like John McGlinchey who commented on our video yesterday. Um, yeah, so we've been talking about home and uh, Yang as well. I mentioned the lesser seen Tilio and Quan. Where are we with them? I know that uh, Tilio had an injury, Patrick, but we're at that stage where you're thinking, right, Tilio costs us a million and a half quid, Quan costs us a million. You know, two and a half million pound would get you a Matt O'Reilly two and a half seasons ago. Not, doesn't it look at this stage like it's money well spent? No, um, you know, I was I was quite excited with uh, Marco Tilio. Um, you know, Melbourne City, City Football Group, you know, there's an obvious connection, there's an obvious success rate there with their signings. Um, you watch his highlights, really skillful player. Um, you know, I'm casting my mind back a bit, but maybe not the fastest winger in the world, but certainly very skillful. Um, you know, the type of guy that, you know, creates a lot of goals, sets his teammates up. And I was dead excited to see him. And then in his press conference, he goes, oh, no, I'm injured. And I'm injured for a few months. And I, I'm, I'm fairly certain he's back in training. I, I could swear that he's, he's fit. And he just hasn't been anywhere near the squad. And I think Narovsky's the same. You know, obviously we've seen uh, Narovsky a wee bit. You know, he's played two league games, played a couple of friendlies. He seemed to be the preferred partnership, him and Carter Vickers, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, I, I'm I'm still excited to see Tilly. It's just a question of you know, is he fit? And I, I've long had a bugbear with Celtic, yeah, doing this. You know, I seen a few years ago uh, Arsenal releasing a list of their injured players, how long they're going to be out for, expected time of uh, expected time to come back, and I think Celtic should start doing that. I know certain managers like to. You know, keep their cars close to their chest. A wee surprise in there. You know, I know Ange done it with Kyogo a few times, um, but I, I just like full clarity on when players will be back. As for Quan, you know, Lagerbielka is another one that's fallen off the face of the earth. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think I've spoken about him a few times recently. You know, he, he didn't have the best start. He, he never really was a standout. Um, and then I think after one of the international breaks, he's just been nowhere to be nowhere to be seen since. Um, so that's a it's a big question mark. He got the um, I think he got defender of the year uh, in the league that we we we, we bought him from the Swedish league. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously got something about him, just not shown it yet, not been given the chance yet. Um, as for Quan, I don't like to write a player off too early, but he played against Wolves in that friendly in Dublin. Played against Bobal. And I thought it was absolutely mince. You know, <laughs> I thought it was absolutely rotten. Um, I, as I say, I don't like writing a player off too early, but I couldn't see anything that sort of, any sort of quality feature about him. As I say, I don't like write him off, but, you know, misplacing, pla- misplacing passes, easy for me to say, quite slow, um, quite tall by all accounts. I don't know if he's physical or not, um, but... You know, that's another one who I don't even think he's picked up an injury. I just think he's sort of hidden in the long grass somewhere, just absolutely nowhere to be seen. Um, so there's a few players that there's questions over. Obviously, I think Narovsky's, you know, fit and been in training for a few weeks and again, nowhere near the, the squad. Um, so there's, you know, four or five players you could point to and say, well, look, signed them all relatively recently and they're, they're nowhere to be seen. So that's another question about the transfer window. It's a worry. It is a worry. And there's a comment coming in about uh, the fact that you can't play them all. That's right. And then that opens up the whole other discussion. What do you do with that group of players? And uh, you could throw Mikey Johnson in there. You know, he has played one game of football this season for Celtic, uh, a substitute appearance against Hibs. He's 24 years old. That's not enough football, Patrick. Uh, James McCarthy, he's not playing football. When was the last time he played for Celtic? Last February, was it? Something like that. I mean, these people need to be playing. And they might not even be part of your, your kind of future plan, but if you can't offload them on a permanent deal due to their wages, lengthy contract, etc., we need to get them out uh, on loan because there's nowhere else for them to play, Patrick. We don't have a reserve team. They can't play in the B team. Um, there needs to be something more long-term, uh, and we have spoke about that, and there's probably a whole podcast in it. What is that? What does it look like? Um, do you get the, the top four or five teams in Scotland who would still be willing to make that investment in a reserve team um, and 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 have a core group of teams who can then marry up with other um, clubs and, and play some kind of tournament throughout the season so that at least they're playing games. I mean, 25 games at that level would be better than none. And, uh, you know, they're picking up their wages. Their state of mind wouldn't be great. It's going to take them a long time to get back up to speed. You spoke about Yang earlier on. You know, Yang's had to not only adapt to just coming to a new country and, and playing football for Celtic, He's had to adapt to the, the crowd that he's obviously witnessing at, at Celtic Park and the demands of that crowd. He's having to come to terms with going to away grounds and getting booed every time he kicks the ball, which has happened at Motherwell and Ross County. Uh, the roughhouse tactics, he's had to come to terms with that. I mean, he got taken off with a, an injury to his eye. So there's all of these things to consider. And the only way you can come to terms with it or test yourself is to play games. Quan and Tilly haven't kicked the ball They've not kicked a ball. And this period of time has now elapsed where you start to wonder if we got another uh, Daniel Arzani on our hands here. Is Are these players going to play? And if they're not, then it's it's quite an obscene waste of money, actually. Um, I think they need to go out in January on loan. The Urban Culture, international break, bad news Celtic story. It makes winning all the sweeter. Yeah, you could uh, set your clock by it, couldn't you? Um, and the Tobago Street Police Station Celtic Supporters Club Membership means if you have spent a night in the cells, you are a member of the club. Lawrence Conley tells me he is already a member. Right, is O'Reilly the smartest player on the park? I think uh, probably both on and off the park. Very intelligent footballer. Uh, but as Patrick said, when he speaks, you listen. He's very, for me, uh, balanced in his views. And I think that he's very determined. Um, you spoke about 
you know, leaving earlier, leaving uh, Fulham without a contract. Patrick, he had no contract lined up. He was without a club for a number of months. He goes to MK Dons. What a risk. Uh, the, the level of self-belief you would need to have had at that age and at that time, pandemic time, to be without a club uh, is a sensational uh, level of self-belief and it's paid off. And look at them now. They're talking about him being a record Scottish transfer. What an unbelievable story. Joe Halton, good afternoon troops. Matt is intelligent and he knows what Brendan can do for him. I agree with that. I think um, similarly, I know it didn't end well, but remember Moussa Dembele, Patrick, he could have gone to a, a number of clubs. He comes to Celtic. It was a, a, a smart move. Him and his agent, you know, it was a very, very good decision because he wanted probably at that stage to be that player for Leon or Atletico Madrid, you know. But he knew that if he was to come to a club like Celtic, who would offer him a platform and he would work under a manager like Brendan Rodgers, eventually he would get that move and he did. So very, very intelligent. Um, as as Joe um, has mentioned there in his decision-making, Magnet 67, we were right about old clubs' money and we are right about their penalties and VAR assistance cheating. However, they still can't catch us. That says loads as well. Eh? After all that, they still cannot catch us. Some brilliant points coming through. Thanks, everybody, for sharing your views. Uh, Michael, as you say, they can't all play, but what is the alternative? What do we do as a football club to make sure they're playing games, if not for the first team, then somewhere? They've got to play. Um, and Uncle Nobby Steamboat, an alternative view type mag, not a scud mag. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Um, and we've also got Brown Warrior coming in on in response to that. Bring out a mag of Palmer's best shots. Call it the Palmer Sutra. Honestly, this is the level of wit and humour that we get in the comments section. And that is why I loved fanzines so much back in the day. They were so funny and on point every single time and I bet at that time a lot of the humour went over my head, I should probably go back and read them again um, Mike Noroski and Gustav Lagerbelt let's talk about the pair of them, as you said Lagerbelt just got Defender of the Year um, for his former club Elfsburg in that particular division, £3 million purchase and 4.3 or 4.5 depending on the reports for Noroski it's a big um, investment in the central defensive area of the park for both players not to even be in the squad half the time. Patrick, where are we with these two guys? Yeah, it's a big question. Um, you know, Lager Belka, as I was saying, certainly not a fan favourite, made a few mistakes. You know, by all accounts, good in the air, sort of a similar profile to Starfelt, tall, strong, um, not the best passer of the ball. Um, no, sorry, I've got that wrong. Lager Belka is meant to be a good passer of the ball, but just quite prone to a mistake, certainly since he's came to Celtic. Um, you know, you just haven't had full confidence in him. And we're obviously going through a, a sort of period of change when he was playing in the team. But from what I can tell, he's not been injured. There's been no news of an injury. He just seems to be absolutely nowhere near the team. And, you know, it, it would be a good question to ask the manager just to, to find out where he is. You know, as people are saying, you can't play them all. But... Certainly, as of the summer, you'd have played them ahead of scales. Obviously, time has passed since then. Scales is probably above in the pecking order, but to be nowhere near the team is quite incredible. Um, Narovsky, you know, was injured, um, injured for a few months. I, I'm sure, I, I don't know if I'm uh, suffering from the Mandela effect. I'm sure I read somewhere that he was back in training and fit and ready to play, but again, nowhere near the squad. Um, so, Really not sure what's going on there. Like someone to ask Brendan that question in a press conference because it really is a, a sort of big question mark along with Tilly and Quan. Um, to have signed these four guys in the summer to not be in the squad at all. That is a bit of a worry um, that, that we've wasted money because as you say, we've signed Tilly for, what was it, uh, two million almost, Quan for a million, Narovsky, four and a half, uh, Lagerbelk I'm sure was two or three. That's a lot of money. That's yeah. you know you're talking what is it ten million or something over um, to not even be in the squad, um, especially when you're at a club like Celtic. Every August to December you're playing two games a week, so to not have new signings in the team when you're paying three, four, five million, that is a bit of a big. It's a big question mark. Um, so slightly concerning. Uh, it's not affected their form certainly not domestically. So that's that's one positive. Um, but as you said, you know Mikey Johnson comes on for what, 20, 30 minutes against Tibbs. It's his only appearance of the season. 
albeit he had a back injury out for the first couple of months, but we've not seen him since, and that was two or three weeks ago now. 24-year-old has to be playing football. If these guys are fit, they're all quite young. Uh, I think, I would say Narovsky's the oldest of them. They all need to be playing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have guys not even on the bench when they're in that sort of development stage of their career. And, you know, Mikey Johnson's another one where you're probably looking at a loan or, as you say, like a reserve league because these guys need to be playing. And as much as I'm one of the few Mikey Johnson fans left, I think, in the Celtic support, but for about three seasons, we've been saying it's his last chance. And I think it really is his last chance because, you know, we're talking about James McCarthy, we're talking about guys like Quan, guys like, you know, famously the the, the duo, Barkas and Ayeti. Big fees, taking up wages, not contributing at all. You know, James McCarthy, as you say, I don't think he's played in over a year. Um, it, it's quite incredible the amount of money we are wasting in wages here. So I would like us to streamline the squad somewhat. I think the Champions League squad is is 26. And most years we don't use all 26 players. So it shows that we don't need this, this many players in the team. So I'd like us to streamline that going forward. And hopefully we can see these two or three players that we haven't seen in months, if at all. Um, because it, it's quite a big question mark. It is, and every time I bring it up, <clears throat> um, I do get faced with the, you know, the counter argument that you know nothing is guaranteed in the transfer market, and I know it isn't. I know it isn't, and I've also said that you know that ten million quid you've just uh, spoken about there that's been shelled out on how many players? Four players. I would rather buy two five million pound players, and the answer to that is what a Yeti and Barkas. No, not a Yeti and Barkas. I get that there's no exact science to it, um, but in terms of the hit rate. The hit rate has gone down, you know. Um, let's go take a step back. Billy McNeil takes over 1987 1988. His hit rate had to be absolutely on point because we had to win the league because it was our centenary season. And he never made a bad signing. Martin O'Neill comes in um, many, many years later and his hit rate had to be really high because he, he had a 21-point swing. Rangers had won the league by 21 points the season before. And I don't think he made a bad signing in that first season. Fast forward to Ange Postecoglou, he takes over after the pandemic season, the COVID season, and his hit rate had to be high, and it was. It's almost as if, if it doesn't have to be, we get a wee bit complacent and we, we start tinkering and it's a wee bit more experimental. Let's take a few of you guys now. And this is the result of it. You've got £10 million worth of players that we're not seeing. You know, Most of them are not in the squad. And it is a bit of a concern. Next time we get into the press conference, I'm going to ask maybe Jerry to ask that question of his pal Jerry. Uh, Brendan Rodgers who called him a top goalkeeper Brian McGinty O'Reilly is an old head on young shoulders is that why he likes Aerosmith that's the big question Brian um, that's my first question if I ever meet Matt O'Reilly Uncle Nobby Steamboat uh, looking, looking forward rather to seeing an actual Brendan signing yeah that would be good uh, absolutely and of course we brought in Matt Phillips short term deal and he's not really played um, either Chilpil, I think Brendan has hinted that Tilio is struggling. I'm not sure if he'll ever make it at Celtic. And even that, when you look at that, he's struggling. Is he struggling uh, mentally, being away from home? Is he struggling to, you know, make an impact? Is it a step up? You know, is that what he's struggling with, performance, or is it more mental? You just never know with a lot of these guys. And uh, that would be a real shame for a player like Tilio to come over so highly rated and for us not really to see him. Uh, I know that he played um, in the B-team game against Michael Moffat's air in the testimonial, but uh, other than that, we've not seen him in action, which is a shame. Marquis, is Musa still commenting on our game since Brendan Rodgers came back in? By the way, I'm not sure if he is. Uh, that would be interesting if he did, or whoever runs his, his account, I'm not sure if they have. Let us know in the comments. Um, and we've also got uh, Manansis, Mamansis, rather. Scotland needs to bring back the reserve league. It was followed up by AG saying, how about a reserve league with other teams around England and Wales? Would that work? Would they allow that to work? That's the thing. Would the associations allow that to happen? Sounds good to me. Uh, we need to get the players playing games. And Robert Highland with a real not-the-view throwback. McGlinchey is a malcontent. Uh, if you know, you know. Thank you very much for all your comments. It really is appreciated. And then it takes us on to, uh, we've spoken about Nat Phillips and, and Paolo Bernardo uh, two loan signings, Patrick. I think Bernardo's shown us a bit. He's shown us a bit that you might be interested in him at the end of the season. 
Not sure about the six or seven million pound that I've seen quoted. Um, if he was a three and a half million pound purchase, then perhaps. Um, Nat Phillips, as things stand, will go back to Liverpool, I think. What's your thoughts? Yeah, Phillips, I think, is quite an easy one. Um, I think he was signed. I think he was signed with the, the Derby in mind and he, he, he rocked up injured. So I think that was the beginning and end of his Celtic career before he even signed in the dotted line. Um, no, we're, we're not going to sign that, Phillips. I think that's quite clear. Um, I think we've spoken on here, he's on about 60 grand a week. Obviously, Liverpool can afford to pay that, but, you know, we'd struggle to give Callum McGregor that sort of money. So, you know, he's he's not playing for Celtic. Um, when it comes to Bernardo, you know, as you say, you know, we've got a lot, got a lot of football still to play. You know, we've got at least two European games, um, get hopefully five Scottish Cup games and 25 odd league games. So, a lot of a lot of games to go, but uh, I, I've actually not heard that fee quoted yet. Uh, I'm sure there probably is a, a fee agreed between Benfica and Celtic, but mm. if it's anywhere near that sum, I don't think we'll be paying that because I think by the middle of November, Jota was a superstar already for Celtic, and we were all chomping the bit to spend six and a half million on him. Whereas Bernardo, he's done okay in parts. He, he played well against Atletico at home, but apart from that. Yeah, I think he'll just be a squad player for the rest of the season. I mean, when Hatati got injured, that was his big chance, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, we've ended up playing home against Aberdeen on a Sunday. So I don't think Bernardo's one for the future. He could he could turn into a superstar in January and February, but I, I don't think that's one that we'll be making permanent. But it's nice to see us use the loan system in that way. Mm. Um, because, you know, we've seen from Carter, Vickers and Jota and... You know, Maeda and Awata are slightly different because there was an obligation to buy. We, we effectively signed them. Um, but Carter, Vickers and Jota agree a nominal fee before they even kick a ball. And then if they're good, you're happy to pay the money. And I think that's a good way of working it because in the past, it really has been a scattergun approach. You know, you think of guys like Colin, Kaz- I think Kazim Richards was alone. He might have been a permanent signing. Uh, God, I was going to say Carlton Cole, but I think that was permanent as well. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt been a few dodgy loans. I, my, my memory escapes me. Obviously, Patrick Roberts, um, I think City were wanting over £10 million for him. And as much as he was a great player, I don't think we're ever going to pay that. So I'm glad we're, we're sort of working a better system now. We've got a system in place for using the loan the loan option. Without a doubt. I think under Dyla, it was guys like John Gadetti, uh, Tonev, uh, Wakaso, Inga Berget. And it, it was all just plugging gaps, it was just short-termism and then we had that window where it was uh, Timo Weir um, Charlie Masonda Ollie Burke, that type of player Toyan. We, we never really had any intention of buying any of these guys so if you bring someone in and there is that prospect of you know what they may be a player for the future then I think it's far more uh, long-term view than the short-termism with all the guys I've just mentioned there, Bajel Kaduri was another one, remember him came in, scored against Rangers, you remember him? Um, short-term loan deals, uh, and we'll not talk about John Joe Kenny. But uh, finally, just to give us all a bit of confidence, the final player I want to talk about is the man, Palmer, um, who is doing his best to help us get over the loss of Jota. Uh, what a performance at the weekend. A hat-trick of assists. He scores a penalty, which nobody else in the squad's capable of doing. Um, and he was just sheer class, Patrick. He was brilliant. It was, um, you know, it, it's funny, you've got all these different goal scorers and you think, well, he only really scored a penalty. And then you go to the BBC page and you see that he's actually got three assists as well. So four goal contributions. You know, people would be making compilations and raving for weeks about Messi if he'd done that. Um, and rightly so, because Messi's amazing. But, you know, under the radar, maybe not under the radar, because you could see on the day he was phenomenal, but, you know, he, he never really, he never scored an outstanding goal or anything, but still really contributing quite a lot to the team. The outside of the foot for uh, O's first goal is absolutely exquisite. Um, you know, it he looks like Luka Modric when he does it, because Luka Modric absolutely loves that type of that type of pass, that type of goal. And um certainly in terms of numbers, uh, I, I seen a stat on Twitter a few days ago, you know, in terms of goals and assists, he's actually creeping up on Jota's tally last season. I think Jota got fifteen goals and twelve assists last season. And I don't think Palmer's even that far away. I know that's 27 in total, but bearing in mind it's only middle of November, I think he's he's doing quite well to catch him up. 
has he got the flair of Jota? Probably not. You know, he's fast. He's got a few tricks up his sleeve. Um, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a player as uh, as skillful as Jota anywhere in Europe. Um, because he really was, he, he really was phenomenal. But in terms of numbers, he's he's done really really well. And to have got a guy from the fifth best team in Cyprus and have him replace the superstar from Portugal is phenomenal business for only, I think it was three million we signed him for and uh, delighted to have him in, this, in the squad because he's doing really, really well. Um, aye, he's, he's, I think he's, him and Kyogo are probably the only two that could compete with Matt O'Reilly for player of the year, yeah, I reckon, because they're both having great seasons um, and, you know, long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. He was brilliant. And like you say, we're going to be looking at that at the end of the season and asking the question, was he more productive? As you say, maybe not as creative, but was he as productive as Jota? Um, And that would be uh, interesting if he was when you look at the price that we paid for the player as well. And obviously he wasn't good enough for Michael Beale, but he's you know second best for us, no problem. <laughs> I will bring you on. That goes back to that uh, tagline again, the nonsense that is pr- printed in the mainstream media. And by the way, there's plenty of nonsense on alternative media as well. Uh, don't get me wrong. But thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the comment section. As I said before, we um, pushed the boat out. Uh, we got Martin O'Neill. We went to a big venue and we were 25 tickets away from selling it out. Crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, if you fancy coming along for a brilliant, uh, entertaining night, then click on the link underneath this video. Uh, there's no many tickets left. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you again, Patrick McGill, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network.